Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Good People Talk, which is the dynamic new podcast series of the Good People Fund. And if you are wondering what our objective is here, we are sitting with good people who are affiliated with the Good People Fund to see what motivates them and see how they can inspire others to do the same and to make change in their communities and the world. And today we are sitting with Fran Held, who is the executive director and founder of Mitzvah Circle. Fran, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It has been a joy just to spend some time with you over the last several hours here at your operations center slash warehouse, whatever you want to call it, which is what about 40 miles, we're about 40 miles from Philadelphia in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. Fran has a impressive nonprofit organization, a community of volunteers, as well as individuals and families that they serve. Fran, you are making such an impact in this community. Can you describe in one anecdote or two what you're doing here? So Amber came to us by filling out an application for assistance. She works at a local diner and she has a two-year-old child. Her two-year-old Joey threw his matchbox car down the toilet. That's something that any two-year-old could do. But for a mom who's scraping by making ends meet, when that matchbox car went down the toilet, it caused a plumbing issue in her apartment and also in the apartment below. And the landlord told her it would be $5,000 to fix the plumbing issue and therefore evicted her when she had no money. Mm. So Amber and Joey were living in her car and she came to us because she was worried she was going to lose her job. Her two-year-old was not potty trained and she was out of diapers and she really needed her waitressing job to make ends meet. And so we quickly put together clothing for both of them, personal care items, pads and tampons and diapers for Joey so that they could exist in her car. But one of the things we did is we spoke to her and said, you know, you might want to tell your boss because you never know who knows somebody who might be able to give you a place temporarily so you don't have to live in the car. Her boss couldn't give her a place, but he put a blow-up mattress in the restaurant let them sleep there, and then they washed up in the bathroom in the morning until she could save enough money to move out. And Amber remarked that the items we gave her were life-changing because living in your car with a two-year-old is really challenging, but also the encouragement that we gave her to talk to her boss and that her boss was then going to allow her to stay there really saved them from some trauma from living in the car. So I would say for young families who don't have a safety net, who are facing extreme crisis, we are definitely a place that they can turn and a place that will swiftly provide all of life's essentials to allow them to move forward. In terms of um, people who are ill, we have uh, thousands of people who come to us who have a serious medical condition. And we recently had... Uh, a baby who was receiving a liver transplant at a local hospital and the parents couldn't afford diapers or pajamas or any of the basic needs for that baby and the social worker from the hospital contacted us and said the parents are loving parents they care about this child this child has a serious illness and is receiving a new organ but they're going to send that child back to a home that doesn't have basic needs met. 
And we want loving parents to be able to raise their own children in a safe environment. And so we provided all of the items for that child. The social worker wasn't looking for anything for the parents, but then we contacted the parents and said, we know that you would support your child before yourself. And so if your child doesn't have clothes and a clean diaper, we imagine that you could use a few things too. And so we provided things for the whole family. Dad recently found a job. Um, Things are definitely looking better, although the medical issues won't go away. They'll need to be managed. But the family can now move on and go about their daily business, which is really what we want. Okay, so thank you for those stories because we can all connect with the challenges and the dramas and the crises that afflict people. And you have created an entire infrastructure, an entire community, an entire operation that helps those who are really in danger of or have already fallen through the social safety net, correct? Yes. Yeah, I I think it's hard to imagine falling through the cracks for some people, but I really believe that with one serious catastrophic life event, anybody could be in this circumstance Mm -hmm. because you can go from having a very stable family to completely disrupted when one person has a serious illness and there are all kinds of expenses that are not covered by insurance. Mm -hmm. And for families that maybe aren't so financially stable, those families can be wiped out in two minutes Mm -hmm. by a serious event. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's not just people falling through the cracks, although that's true, It's the fact that crisis, illness, serious circumstances can happen to any family and they might not really be able to find many avenues for assistance. And we want to be that yes, Mm -hmm. right? We want to be the place that says yes. If you've had a lifetime of no's or you've never heard the word no, we still want to be yes and be able to help you through that tough time. Right, right. And we're sitting right now, we're sitting in an anteroom to what, a 6,500-square-foot warehouse Mm -hmm. that our listeners cannot see, but trust me, it is stacked to the ceiling with all manner of essentials from baby diapers to books, toys, clothing, winter coats that we saw hanging up there, women's hygiene products, etc. Things that we may not think that there is a need for. I feel like the typical person who may be listening might not feel that, oh, there are people out there with babies who don't have baby diapers. Mm -hmm. There are women out there who have a job interview tomorrow, but don't have a a tampon or a bra Uh or or, or whatever. These are essentials that we all take for granted, Mm -hmm. but that not everybody does. Right. So for the people who take them for granted, I would say, think about the items that you need every day to get ready for work or daily living, right? You need clothing, you need shampoo, maybe you need a comb or a brush to comb your hair, maybe you need deodorant, clothing, shoes, all of those things that you take for granted, the people that we serve are dreaming of because they don't have those items just sitting in the closet. But there isn't usually one place where someone can go to get those items. And to remove the barriers to assistance and the barriers that exist for people who might not have transportation to need 
to go to a variety of different social service agencies, uh, nonprofits with which to get a pair of shoes from one and coats for kids at the other, but then the mom needs to go to a third to get a coat for herself. It's a full-time job seeking help. And for many people, they don't have the, not just the wherewithal because maybe they're sick, but the financial ability to take many buses, to put gas in the car, to get all those items. So that's why we look at the entire family and think about what are the most needed items that this family needs so kids can go to school or daycare, mom can go to work, dad can look for a job, whatever it is to allow people to move forward. Mm -hmm. And those people who we are, who you are trying to empower, are those children, are those families, and there are also those in our communities who often don't have a voice. For example, medically challenged people, mm -hmm. people who are dealing with illnesses um, and yes. have a lot of other priorities. When you think about someone who's having chemotherapy and they're asking you for a towel so that they can be clean, mm. that's something that most people take for granted, right? Or somebody who's had a medical procedure but goes home to a small apartment with no soap and they, they would like to be clean, right? Those are things that we take for granted, but those aren't things that people can easily get and government assistance doesn't provide. And so for those people who are struggling with illness, we want to make their recovery or their illness less stressful and also create healthier communities, right? Letting somebody re-engage, be able to go to the doctor's appointment because they have clean clothes, right? Because if you only have one pair of clothes and they're soiled and you don't have soap and you don't have a towel, what's the likelihood you're going to be able to follow up with your doctor? Mm -hmm. Probably not that good. And so we would like people to be able to do all of those things. And to put things in a numerical perspective just for a moment here because your reach really is enormous in the, gen in the general area of where mm -hmm. we're sitting. I see on your website that over 4,000 what we're calling medically fragile people were served in 2018 alone. Right. In terms of a product, and diapers for instance, over 1 million diapers were distributed last year in 2018 and over, well, nearly 14,500 care packages were distributed to families right. um, throughout this area. So that gives our listenership an idea of the volume that's involved here as well as the reach and also the need. The need is great. I mean, the need is great. We have hundreds of families who are waiting all the time. We call dozens every single day. Um, and we may reach somebody and speak to them and be able to help them in a few days. But there are people who we try to call and then their phone is disconnected. And so some organizations might just give up, but we don't. We hold their application and we think, well, if it's the end of the month, maybe they didn't have money to pay the bill, but maybe they will next month. So we'll try them again. And if they don't need help, that's great. But we feel there's a measure of success just in having that conversation to check in to say, you reached out to us. We've been trying to reach you. That is a really good point and that I'm really glad that you brought up because there is a element of empathy here that I feel is sometimes lost. This is a very lean organization. Correct. Um, and even as executive director, you are in contact and speaking to the beneficiaries all the time. 
So that is a sensitivity that's never lost. And that's what I thought when you just described, well, we can't reach them on the telephone now, but maybe we can at the end of the month when the service is reconnected, right? I mean, these are sensitivities that it's not one strike unique. you're out. It's not one strike you're out, right? It should be at least right. three strikes and you're out, number one. But number two is I'm not upset to have it be harder on us and easier on the person we serve, right? It may take a little tracking down. It may take a little more time on our end. But the truth is, is that we're talking to people who are struggling. I believe that we owe them that extra effort because they're doing the best they can do, and we want to meet them by doing our best for them. Mm -hmm. I was really happy to walk through your warehouse several hours ago and meet the contingent of volunteers who are here today. Um, I think you said that there are close to a thousand volunteers who walk through that warehouse every month to help, to sort, to pack boxes, to deliver. Whatever they are doing in there, there is a community of care out in that warehouse that sings when you walk through there. And I'm not overemphasizing that. I really felt it. And I believe that's probably due to an environment that you've created here. I think our people are our greatest gift. Mm -hmm. I think the people we serve, that they trust us to serve them well. Um, But also the people who come to volunteer, right? Because they want to feel that they are doing something not only to help their community and love their neighbor and be able to be a positive presence in the world, but also to find like-minded people who care, right? Who say, these are people who need help. These are people just like us. But if it weren't for one other life event, that person could be me or my grandchild or my sister or my cousin's friend, Mm -hmm. right? And so I want to be able to help because this could be anybody. Mm -hmm. No one signs up to have cancer. No one asks to have a baby born with a disability. No one wants their husband to run away with their next door neighbor. But these things happen all the time. And so if we can ease those burdens and make things a little easier on those families, every volunteer here would be cheering. Has there been an instance, Fran, where you felt that you could not help a beneficiary enough? I never feel like that because I feel like for what the scope of our mission is and what our ability is, we treat every single person we serve like family. And we try and do our best for them at every opportunity. And there are no perfect people on either side of the equation but we do our best. And so I feel like I can end every day and start every morning knowing we have done our best for the people that we serve. And if they need other services or other assistance, then we do refer them to other social workers, other organizations and food pantries and so forth. But I don't believe that it's my role to fix everything in someone's life. I feel like it is our role to do the best we can with the items we can provide and to have them match the needs of that family in that moment, as well as being a person who cares on the other end of the phone. Not just me, but everybody who speaks, speaks with love and care and kindness. And we all know that over our lifetime, we will all have difficult moments. And it's how we respond and how we engage in those moments, I think, that really says a lot about us. And I feel, I feel proud of the work we do. I don't feel our work is ever done right? It's not finished. But I do feel really satisfied with how we serve 
the items we give, the number of things we give, and what it allows people to do in their own lives. Mm -hmm. As you know, as a grantee of the Good People Fund, the organization is fueled by Jewish values, tikkun olam, repair the world. So many names for doing what we things, do, for right. doing good things. Right. Mitzvah Circle. Tell me why you chose that name for this organization. My personal belief is that we all have opportunities to serve others in our lifetime, and sometimes we will also need help. And so when I think of a circle of kindness, I think about those opportunities that are presented to us where we can serve others, but there are moments where we may need the help of someone else. And part of our job in this world is really recognizing those moments. When are the times where I can provide some support to someone else? What are the times where I'm going to need to sort of take a back seat and really receive help from others? And I think everybody has those moments in their lives. And when we have students here volunteering or we have people who are elderly, life is a long, bumpy road and everybody needs help at some point. And so thinking of it as a circle of kindness where you can add to that circle at any moment, but there are also going to be moments where you're going to be the recipient of the kindness of others. Mm -hmm. The other thing I think is that there are acts of kindness for which we can never repay others and never should feel the need to. And so for Mitzvah Circle, we're not asking our recipients to come back and volunteer. We're not saying to receive help, you need to do something for us. We want people to feel and to know that we are helping them because we feel it is something really important to do, to empower, to assist, to serve, so people can go about their daily life and find their own joy and success in their own lives, but that it's not something that ever needs to be repaid. Mm -hmm. When did Mitzvah Circle begin? In 2009, we really became Mitzvah Circle, even though for a few years before I was doing this work. Okay, so for about 10 years mm -hmm. now. Exponential growth, obviously. What got you into this? The best answer I can give you is that I saw a need. I received calls from people who would say, on my cell phone, so somebody gave somebody who gave somebody my cell phone number, and they said, I heard you're a lady who will help when no one else will. And I remember the first family that called, when I went to meet them, they said, are you sure your Fran held? Because I was positive this was going to be a grandmother. <laughs> and so I think people were surprised that someone who wasn't a grandmother was doing this kind of work, was thinking about what is the best thing to solve a crisis in a family? What's the best way to, with dignity and creating hope and providing support, how do we do this? And so the first family that called me was actually the soccer coach called me. And the soccer coach said that we have a family we've been providing meals to for a couple of years, but the people are tired of making meals and we're tired of giving them baked ziti and chicken nuggets. And mom has breast cancer and the kids are young and it doesn't look like she's gonna survive. And we kinda, we kinda can't do this anymore. And we heard you're someone who will help us and guide us. And so I did. And so from that family, people started calling me pretty consistently after that with situations that seemed pretty dire and pretty terrible. But even the most terrible situation has an answer and has a piece of dignity and has a piece of hope and has some love in it, right? There, just because the situation is very, very difficult doesn't mean there can't be kindness and goodness in that situation. 
And so that's how this really started. And before I knew it, people were dropping trash bags in my driveway and I couldn't get in my driveway when I would come home and I didn't even know who they were from. You know, in my conversations with change makers, social, social entrepreneurs, whether they're affiliated with the Good People Fund or not, it does not matter. I feel like this, the common denominator to you all is the fact that there was that one moment here it may have been when that soccer coach called, but right. there, is the, there is that one moment that really underscores the fact that there is a need here that even you may not have been that intimately aware of, and it grows from there. Right, I felt like yeah. there was a need, and I could meet that need fairly effortlessly, but that others found it a struggle. Some people would find this work depressing. I find it incredibly uplifting, because I feel like for people who can't find help, we are a source of great assistance and of great joy for people who say, oh my God, I've called 20 places. I can't find anyone who can provide me with a new car seat. I've looked to find materials for my kids, not only clothing, but my daughter was just held back in first grade. I have no books in the home, right? For most of our families who are living below the poverty line, those kids hear 50,000 fewer words by kindergarten. So we add books to every box. We're not a literacy charity, right? But we feel like that is something that we can do, right? It might be a small thing, but it might be really helpful to those families. And so I think when you discover that there's something that you can do that makes a difference that seems not so difficult to you, but has a great impact on the people that you serve, why not? That's so beautifully said. And it really underscores also, I feel that, but we all know that repair the world doesn't mean the world. It means the block. It means the community. It, it means, means the, the person village. who is standing before you who needs your support and help and love. Do what you can do. And if you can't do everything, find someone else who will do the pieces that you can't do. Right? But it doesn't mean walk away and hide because this could be trouble. <laughs> Right? Because someday you're going to come to someone and say, I really could use your help. And you would want that person to look at you with love and with kindness and to say, of course we're going to help you. Mm -hmm. And that's how we start our phone calls with everyone. We would love to help you if we can. I need to hear a little more about your story. I need to understand what's happening. But we start out with, we'd love to help you if we can. What you represent is such a beautiful example of someone, I'm going to talk in the third person here, but somebody who is making deep impact in the community in which she lives. And that's where it all starts. And it all builds from there in terms of the energy and the dignity and all the good stuff that comes out of it that you just described. And you are a living, wonderful example of that. And I'm feeling so privileged just to be sitting on this side of the microphone and talking Thank to you, you about that. As a change maker. What would be your advice to others who see a need that they want to address, um, who want to make some sort of impact in whatever realm it may be, in whatever part of the community or world it might be? Mm -hmm. What would be your best advice to somebody? I think you have to be really careful when you're dealing with vulnerable people, right? If you are someone who wants to do a community garden and your plants die, that is a real disappointment and I love gardens and I'm a vegetarian, right? It's a big disappointment. 
And for the people who need that food, if you've promised that food, that's a huge disappointment, right? But if no one knows about it and you're trying it out and that happens, that's on you, right? But if you've promised that to somebody, right? Just like if we promised 100 pairs of shoes to an organization or a pair of shoes to a six-year-old boy who's starting school and wants to play soccer, right? So I believe in the never over-promise and under-deliver and really think about who you're serving, right? Because you have an obligation once you say yes to deliver, whatever that is. And if no one knows and it's in your head and you're making a plan and it doesn't work, okay, so you can make another plan, you can adjust. But once those words leave your lips and that plan is out in the universe, whether you're giving shoes, whether you're giving vegetables, whether you're giving coats, you've committed to somebody and someone is counting on you. And everything you do from the first moment you need to know that someone who is vulnerable is relying on you to provide what you say you're going to do. And so you have to do what you say and you have to mean it. And if you don't mean it, then this work probably isn't for you. Mm. Fran, thank you for sitting with us. Of course. Today. And um, I'm looking forward to round two with you at some point. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>